Chapter 7 of Tom Swift and His Airship. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rick Cahill. Tom Swift and His Airship by Victor Appleton. Chapter 7 Andy Tries a Trick. Without loss of time, the young inventor and the aeronaut began to repair the damage done to the Red Cloud by colliding with the tower. The most important part to reconstruct was the propeller, and Mr. Sharp decided to make two instead of one in order to have an extra one in case of future accidents. Tom's task was to arrange the mechanism so that hereafter the rudder could not become jammed and so prevent the airship from steering properly. This the lad accomplished by a simple but effective device, which when the balloonist saw it, caused him to compliment Tom. That's worth patenting, he declared. I advise you to take out papers on that. It seems such a simple thing, answered the youth, and I don't see much use of spending the money for a patent. Airships aren't likely to be so numerous that I could make anything off that patent. You take my advice, insisted Mr. Sharp. Airships are going to be used more in the future than you have any idea of. You get that device patented. Tom did so, and not many years afterward he was glad that he had, as it brought him quite an income. It required several days' work on the Red Cloud before it was in shape for another trial. During the hours when he was engaged in the big shed helping Mr. Sharp, the young inventor spent many minutes calling to mind the memory of a certain fair face. And I think I need not mention any names to indicate whose face it was. She promised to go for a ride with me, mused the lad. I hope she doesn't back out. But I'll want to learn more about managing the ship before I venture with her in it. It won't do to have any accidents then. There's Ned Newton, too. I must take him for a skim in the clouds. Guess I'll invite him over some afternoon and give him a private view of the machine when we get it in shape again. About a week after the accident at the school, Mr. Sharp remarked to Tom one afternoon, If the weather is good tomorrow, we'll try another flight. Do you suppose your father will come along? I don't know, answered the lad. He seems much engrossed in something. It's unusual, too, for he most generally tells me what he is engaged upon. However, I guess he will say something about it when he gets ready. Well, if he doesn't feel like just coming, don't argue him. He might be nervous, and while the ship is new, I don't want any nervous passengers aboard. I can't give them my attention and look after the running of the machinery. I was going to propose bringing a friend of mine over to see us make the trip tomorrow, went on the young inventor. Ned Newton, you know him. He'd like a ride. Oh, I guess Ned's all right. Let him come along. We won't go very high tomorrow. After a trial rise by means of the gas, I'm going to lower the ship to the ground and try for an elevation by means of the planes. Oh, yes, bring your friend along. Ned Newton was delighted the next day to receive Tom's invitation, and though a little dubious about trusting himself in an airship for the first time, finally consented to go with his chum. He got a half-holiday from the bank, and shortly after dinner went to Tom's house. Come on out in the shed and take a look at the red cloud, proposed the young inventor. Mr. Sharp isn't quite ready to start yet, but I'll, I'll explain some things to you. The big shed was deserted when the lads entered, and went to the loft where they were on a level with the big red aluminum tank. Tom began with a description of the machinery, and Ned followed him with interest. Now we'll go down into the car or cabin, continued the young navigator of the air and I'll show you what we do when we're touring amid the clouds. 
As they started to descend the flight of steps from the loft platform, a noise on the ground below attracted their attention. Guess that's Mr. Sharp coming, said Ned. Tom leaned over and looked down. An instant later, he grasped the arm of his chum and motioned him to keep silent. Take a look, whispered the young inventor. Andy Fogger, exclaimed Ned, peering over the railing. Yes, and Sam Snedeker and Pete Bailey are with them. They sneaked in when I left the door open. Wonder what they want. Up to some mischief, I'll wager, commented Ned. Hark, they're talking. The two lads on the loft listened intently. Though the cronies on the ground below them did not speak loudly, their voices came plainly to the listeners. Let's poke a hole in their gas bag, proposed Sam. That will make them think they're not so smart as they pretend. Nah, we can't do that, answered Andy. Why not, declared Pete. Because the bag's way up in the top part of the shed, and I'm not going to climb up there. You're afraid, sneered Sam. I am not. I'll punch your face if you say that again. Beside, the thing that holds the gas is made of aluminum, and we can't make a hole in it unless we take an axe, and that makes too much noise. We ought to play some sort of trick on Tom Swift, proposed Pete. He's too fresh. Tom shook his fist at the lads on the ground, but of course they did not see him. I have it, came from Andy. What, demanded his two cronies. We'll cut some of the guy wires from the planes and rudders. That will make the airship collapse. They'll think the wires broke from the strain. Take out your knives and saw away at the wires. Hurry, too, or they may catch us. You're caught now, whispered Ned to Tom. Come on down and give him a trouncing. Tom hesitated. He looked quickly about the loft, and then a smile replaced the frown of righteous anger on his face. I have a better way, he said. What is it? See that pile of dirt? And he pointed to some refuse that had been swept up from the floor of the loft. Ned nodded. It consists of a lot of shavings, sawdust, and, what's more, a lot of soot and lamp black that we used in mixing some paint. We'll sweep the whole pile down on their heads and make them wish they'd stayed away from this place. Good, exclaimed Ned, chuckling. Give me a broom. There's another one for you. The two lads in the loft peered down. The red-headed, squint-eyed bully and his chums had their knives out and were about to cut some of the important guy wires when, at a signal from Tom, Ned, with a sweep of his broom, sent a big pile of the dirt, sawdust, and lamplack down upon the heads of the conspirators. The young inventor did the same thing, and for an instant the lower part of the shed looked as if a dirt storm had taken place there. The pile of refuse went straight down on the heads of the trio, and as they were looking up, in order to see to cut the wires, they received considerable of it in their faces. In an instant, the white countenances of the lead were changed to black, as black as the burnt cork performers in a minstrel show. Then came a series of howls. Wow, who did that? I'm blinded. The shed is falling down. Run, fellows, run, screamed Andy. There's been an explosion. We'll be killed. At that moment, the big doors of the shed were thrown open, and Mr. Sharp came in. He started back in astonishment at the sight of the three grotesque figures, their faces black with soot and their clothes covered with sawdust and shavings, rushing wildly around. This will teach you to come meddling around here, Andy Fogger, cried Tom. I, I, you, you, oh, oh, wait, I, you, spluttered the bully, almost speechless with rage. Sam and Pete were wildly trying to wipe the stuff from their faces, but only made matters worse.
They were so startled that they did not know enough to run out of the open door. Wish we had some more stuff to put on him, remarked Ned, who was holding his sides that ached from laughter. I have it, cried Tom, and he caught up a bucket of red paint that had been used to give the airship its brilliant hue. Running to the end of the law, Tom stood for an instant over the trio of lads who were threatening and implored by turns. Here's another souvenir of your visit, shouted the young inventor, as he dashed the bucket of red paint down on the conspirators. This completed the work of the dirt and soot, and a few seconds later, each face looked like a stage Indians ready for the warpath. The trio dashed out. They shed shavings, sawdust, and lamp black at every step, and from their clothes and hands and faces dripped the carmine paint. Better have your pictures taken, cried Ned, peering from an upper window. Yes, and send us one, added Tom, joining his chum. Andy looked up at them. He dug a mass of red paint from his left ear, removed a mass of soot from his right cheek, and shaking his fist, which was alternately striped red and black, cried out in a rage. I'll get even with you yet, Tom Swift. You only got what was coming to you, retorted the young inventor. The next time you come sneaking around this airship, trying to damage it, you'll get worse, and I'll have you arrested. You've had your lesson, and don't forget it. The red-haired bully, doubly red-haired now, had nothing more to say. There was nothing he could say, and accompanied by his companions, he made a beeline for the rear gate in the fence and darted across the meadow. They were all sorry enough looking specimens, but solely through their own fault. End of chapter 7 Recorded by Rick Cahill